So if you're new here and you, and you think you get to that point, you think, wow, this is really unusual. It is really unusual because we don't do that every Sunday. So that's just a heads up. Uh, but if you're part of the church family, then uh, uh, that's great. We'll, we'll get there. There are seasons in our life where little things change. Small little things change, but the big, the big picture kind of stays the same. And there are also times in our life where the whole context changes. Let me try and paint the picture for you. Uh, when I was at high school, things changed. Well, some things changed. Every year I got some new teachers because I went to a different grade and uh, made some new friends and tried some new subjects and tried some new sports, etc. There was changes in my life. I was growing. I went through puberty. I changed. I hopefully matured a little bit. Uh, things were changing even though like, I stayed in the same home. We were in the same city. It was the same school. I had the same parents. On one hand, the context, the big picture things were all the same, but there were little changes happening within me. Does that make sense? Sometimes big changes happen within the same stable context. So when I went from high school to university, same parents, same home, same city, but for me, the jump from high school to university was a massive one. Suddenly, I started to become independent. I had a driver's license. I had a vehicle. I started making decisions about my life that didn't involve my parents. It was a whole new world. There was big change on one hand, but a lot of stable things on the other hand. Does that make sense? And halfway through my university career, I got saved. Everything on the outside seemed to change or seemed to stay the same. Same city, same home, same university, same degree I was trying to finish, same parents. But all of a sudden on the inside, there was big change. God had saved me. He started to change me. I joined a church. I started going to a life group. I went on mission trips. And all the change happened inside me. It was massively life-changing. But like a whole bunch of other stuff didn't change. You with me? Is anyone with me? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and then there was some big change. I moved out of home. I can remember we moved into, I moved into a, a house share with three other guys, uh, and we took turns to cook. It was my turn to cook, like in the first month I'd moved out, and I phoned my mom. Mom, how do you make a roast chicken? That's like get the step-by-step -step instructions. There was some big change that happened uh, in my life as well. Uh, and then I got married, but I was... In the same city, at the same university, a whole bunch of things were the same, but there was some big change. Uh, Candace joined my life in a permanent way. And then sometimes the context itself changes. Twelve years ago, we moved from Peter Maritzburg up to Johannesburg, and everything changed. Different city, different job, different house, different church, different wife. I mean, same wife, same wife. <laughs> Life-altering change and the whole context of change. You with me? So change can happen in all kinds of different ways and levels, etc. But through all the little changes and the big changes, whether they were um, within the same context or the context itself changed, God is always present through our change. God never changes, which is the most amazing thing about our faith. And He's able to um, stabilize us as we go through these changes. 
And the reason that God takes us through changes is because He has an inheritance for us to get now. And while we're going through the changes, He's preparing us for the inheritance that's coming down the line in the future. So can you put up that picture of the the junk? I think I put it in the wrong place, but do put it up. We've missed the title slide as well. My bad for not queuing that up. There you go. That's the title for today. If you're taking notes, you can put up that picture of the junk. Should be towards the end of the notes. There you go. A lot lot of our lives start off like the picture on the left, a pile of junk. And God's design in our faith and our life and our marriage and our workplace and our parenting, every part of our lives, is to take what is broken and destroyed and thrown away and make something amazing out of it. That's God's plan for our lives. But this involves the C word, change. Now, most people don't like change, okay? But here's the funny thing. We all want to be different. We all want to be like the sculpture on the end, on the far right. Yes? We want to be different, but we don't want to change. (laughs) So as humans, we have a bit of a conundrum. Would you agree? (laughs) Good thing uh, God God knows what he's doing. So turn with me to Exodus chapter 23. We're going to look at some change that God was doing in the Israelites. Exodus 23. We'll read verse 20 and then jump down to verse 23 and read a bit further. But just to paint the context, the Israelites had been slaves in Egypt for 400 and something years. They didn't like it. They cried out to God, deliver us from our slave masters, these Egyptians. And God does. He sends Moses to to kind of deliver them. And just before this point, they had been through some very unsettling things. Moses had arrived on on the scene, and Moses had agitated Pharaoh so that Pharaoh doubled their workload. Hey, this Moses guy, this deliverer, doesn't sound like such a good guy. I'm working twice as hard. And then all the plagues happened, and some of them affected the Israelites. Do you think they were happy about that change? Probably not. God delivers them. We know the story. They come out of Egypt during the Passover. They go through the Red Sea. The Red Sea closes and destroys the Egyptian army. And they start wandering through the desert towards the promised land that God has for them. Now think about this. They went from having a home to living in a tent. Okay? They went from something that was known and stable to being nomadic, not knowing where their next meal would come from. All right? Then they get to Mount Sinai. And what does Moses do? Hey, cheers, guys. I'm going up the mountain. 40 days in the cloud, face to face with God. Then he comes down and he's different. He's, he's radiant. He's glowing in the dark. Now, they didn't like him from the start. Now they're like, stay away. He had to put a veil over his face. And then what does he do? He gives them the Ten Commandments. They never had those in Egypt. Now all of a sudden, this God that has set them free requires of them something. And they complained and they grumbled, take us back to Egypt. That's what they said. Loads of changes. And then God tells them, we'll read these verses now. God tells them how he's going to get them from Sinai into the promised land. And basically, 
He says to them, focus on what's up ahead. Focus on the future. Focus on what I'm doing, the promised land, which you're going to get to. Focus on that. He keeps them um, focused on that, if you like. Exodus 23, verse 20. God speaks to them. See, I'm sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place that I've prepared. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't you love God to say that to you? Sending an angel ahead of you to guard, to protect, to bring you into the place that I've prepared. Verse 23, my angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. I don't know if he said it like that, but it sounds quite cool. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God, and His blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you, and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites out of your way. I kind of think, you know, when he says, I'll send the hornet, I think that was like the nickname of one of the angels. That's my take. <laughs> but I will drive them out. I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. I want to give us a few points this morning as this church considers its future, as we take a peek into what God has for us coming down the track. How do we take our inheritance? How do we, despite changes, and there's changes in all our lives all the time, why? Because God's taking the junk pile and making it a whole lot better. You know that, if, if you put that picture of the junk pile up again, you know that junk pile? Do you think every piece of junk ends up in, in the statue? There's stuff that gets thrown away. Do you think every piece in the statue looked like it did in the junk pile? No, it got bashed into shape. It got sanded. It got hammered. It got nailed. It got cut. It got, people who work with stuff know those words, welded. <laughs> It wasn't fun for the junk to be changed, right? But God is at work in us because we have ground to take and there's more ground up ahead, if that makes sense. So here's my first point. From this text applied to Hope City Church for this year, number one, God goes before us and He is guarding the way. He's protecting it. We might not realize it most of the time, but God is protecting us way more than we think. I heard a story from Brandon and Lee, and it was Lee's uh, birthday yesterday, so they were away this weekend on a little break. But they were at the airport saying goodbye to some family who were emigrating, and uh, they have a little baby who's a few months old, and they'd brought some hot water along to mix up the bottle, and uh, little James is on Lee's lap uh, in the restaurant, I think, and he kind of wriggled, and he's not in control of his body yet because he's so small. And he bumped over this flask of boiling water that was about to fall on him. Lee, the supermom, somehow picks up little James, hands him to Brandon, I think it was, 
and manages to, to get the water poured on herself, on her own hip, burning her badly, like really badly. But when they told us the story, they said, I'm, we, so, we could see God protecting little James, because if that water fell on him, now it wasn't that God wasn't protecting Lee, it's that actually that's what you do sometimes as a parent, you take a bit of pain for the safety of your kids. But God is, even in those details, God is protecting us. Sometimes our own bad choices or the decisions or the sins of others make it look like God isn't protecting us, okay? The reality is, friends, we live in a fallen world. There's disease, there's sickness, there's consequences. Governments choose to go to war at each other. We can't say God is not protecting us because X and Y. Why, why did God be so direct to the Israelites? Well, for them, the context had changed. They needed reassurance. They needed to know that God has gone ahead. He scouted out the land. As he, it's a good land. It's flowing with milk and honey. I can't wait to get you there. There's some stuff to do in the meantime. It's going to be way better than Egypt. Second, second point this morning is that God has prepared a place. He's gone ahead, He's protecting us, He's leading us there, but He has prepared a place. And for the Israelites, it was physical land. We know under the new covenant, many things that were physical in the Old Testament actually have a spiritual equivalent in the New Testament. So we know as believers, we're not going to go back to Israel and live in the promised land because the promised land is spiritual. It's a spiritual inheritance. You with me? I love Psalm 16. David writes, The Lord has assigned me my portion and cup. He makes my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Knowing that God has assigned me my portion, that God has assigned me my land, if you like, inverted commas, should make me secure. Even if I think this little lot, this little boundary line is really small. The fact that God's given it to me should give me security and confidence and gratitude. And can I say gratitude is very underrated in our day? Because gratitude stops us comparing. Well, how come their, their lot that uh, God has marked out, how come they've got a river? I want to fish in the river. Why don't I have a river? <laughs> When we're ungrateful, we tend to look over the fence. We tend to compare to others. Gratitude also makes us complain, or lack of gratitude makes us complain. I think of my kids. This is where I get most of my preaching points from. Not me. I, I mean, I never complain, but it's uh, <laughs> my kids, and I've lost my place. Gratitude stops us comparing stops us complaining, and stops us feeling entitled. I deserve this. I've been a Christian for 23 years. Look how much I've served God. I deserve more than them. Or we get entitled. Actually, no, Lord, thank you that you have assigned me my portion of my cup. I can rest secure. Before we came to Johannesburg, we were praying about our future. We knew that God is moving us on from Peter Maritzburg and we knew that things were changing in my work environment. And as we prayed, saying, God, what is our future? What is up ahead? What do you have for, for us? This is before we have kids. 
we were, were deliberately seeking the Lord, and God led us to Isaiah 27. And as we read through that chapter, the first few verses, like it just, you know when God speaks like the, it's like the scriptures in neon lights, you can't ignore it. It was one of those kind of moments. And as we saying, God, what is our future? What do you have for us? This is what Isaiah 27 says. I think it's from verse 2. In that day, sing about a fruitful vineyard. So we're saying, Lord, what's our future? God's saying, fruitful vineyard. Man, we got excited. Carries on. It says, I, the Lord, watch over it. Lord, what's in our future? Fruitful vineyard, and I'm watching over it. Not you, Glendon, with limited abilities, but I, the Lord, watch over it. I water it continually. Not like the way I water my garden once a week. The Lord says, I water it continually. I guard it day and night so that no harm may come from it. And we were so excited God had spoken, but we had no clue where we were going because that's not directional. And we thought, well, fruitful vineyard, Stellenbosch. Yay! Come on, the wine route. Here we go. It, it turned out to be Johannesburg, but <laughs> which is nowhere near any vineyards. But here's the thing, friends. Our inheritance individually, our inheritance as a church, the Lord has assigned it. The Lord is guarding it. He is watching over it. Doesn't that fill you with faith? Yo. Oh. Number next. Three. <laughs> God says, do not worship foreign gods, but break them down, smash down their idols. We could spend a few years talking about all the religious idols, foreign gods that we all have in our own lives and in our society. But let me mention a couple because it's not the focus of today. Religion. We, as humans, we like to get into the same way of doing things over and over because we get security about what we can control, right? So religion is one of the idols of our, of our age, certainly of the, of, the, of the church it can be. And we try and impress God with our works. Look how good I was. Came to church Every Sunday last year. Woohoo! Where's my badge? Where's my gold star? Religion ends up in self righteousness. We think we're so good because of how good we are behaving and how much we're performing and doing for Lord for the Lord or how much we're praying or reading the Bible. We end up in the performance mentality. But religion ends up impressing people, but not God. A little bit later on in Exodus, Exodus. Um, the Israelites tell Aaron to make them a god. So he gets all their gold, melts it down, and makes a golden calf. Remember the story. They start, Moses had disappeared again, this guy. And uh, they start worshiping something their own hands have made. Friends, that's an idol of our day. That's a god that we can easily fall into the trap of. Material things, our career, stuff we've made. Romans 1 warns us that if we end up that way, we end up worshiping created things rather than the creator. What about the God of independence? We want the freedom to choose and decide our own fate and our own destiny and our own course. The freedom to choose what we want. We worship that. No one should tell me how I should live, what I should do with my money or my sexuality or my time. I get to choose. It's me, the God of independence, worship of self. And we can so easily conform 
to any other pattern of this world that comes along. But God says, do not worship the foreign gods. Break down their altars. And then he says, number four, worship the Lord your God. Verse 25, we should worship Jesus. What happens, he explains, blessing, provision, health, fruitfulness, life. That should be enough motivation for us to get rid of the idols in our life. Amen? Worship the Lord your God. This church has always had a deep love for worship. I don't know if you sensed it this morning. It's just amazing. I think we need to plan another worship night sometime soon. But worship is easy when we have a big, lofty view of God. When our revelation of God is big. And can I say, when our revelation of God is current. Because I've heard many Christians over the years tell stories about how amazing God was three years ago. And they've got no current intimacy with God. But when our revelation of God, when we see Him as He truly is, when there's a sense of awe and wonder about the majesty and the power and the greatness and the goodness of His grace, it's easy to worship. Amen? And so what we need to do as a church, as individuals, is cultivate in our lives a sense of worship, a sense of awe. We don't worship and sing and pour out our lives for God because of duty. Duty will lead you so far. But worship, having a revelation of how incredible God is, will take you to the ends of the earth at great sacrifice. So we need to, and I hope that when we come on a Sunday, we're worshiping God out of an overflow of our own personal worship. There should be times in our week where we are reading His Word, meditating on it, praying, and worshiping. And this is something that, for my own personal life, I'm wanting to grow in. Not just listening to some worship songs or singing along, but in that place of worship, getting to that point, and I don't know how to describe it with human words or English words. Maybe there's some other language that does it better. But you spend some time in the Word, and you're focused on God, and you're not distracted, and you've, you've perhaps sung a few worship songs to yourself, and you enter into the presence of God. And you just know, you can be quiet, but your heart is worshiping. And you can sense how close God is. And in that place, you can, as Jeremiah said, pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. You know you can say anything, and He's, he's right there. And you also know that He can say anything to you or fill you with His Spirit, or touch you with His love, or joy, or convict you because you haven't done something quite right, or adjust, or lead. That moment of intimacy or communion with the Lord, that you can't manufacture, you can't put a formula to, I want to get to more of those moments in my personal walk this year. Amen? We worship Jesus. Number five, God will weaken or confuse, or destroy, or what? Send the hornet. He will work against our enemies. As we're going forward, as things are changing, we're taking land, but there are other people that need to leave that territory for us to take that land. The uh, Jebusites, Canaanites, Marmites. <laughs> I don't like Marmites. Often, 
you and I, when, we, when there's pressure, when life happens or, or unexpected difficult things or challenges or trauma happens, we often feel, or we say these words, I feel like there's some opposition, like the devil's against me. I'm feeling attacked. Maybe you felt that, and, and that does sometimes happen. But often we say those words, there's this opposition, and, and we, need to, we need to have some spiritual warfare. But I'm praying tongues a lot, and we've got to, and we've got to do X and Y, and, and we've got to bind it and loose it, and we've got to plead the blood, and we've got to anoint it with oil, and we've got to walk around. Sorry, that's the church alarm going off. Thanks, bus. Might be the panic button. We, we feel that way, but I want to challenge us, if I may, that I think those approaches have their place, but not for every single opposition or challenge or difficulty or speed bump we face, because this scripture teaches us actually a different way to pray. Lord, you send the hornet. Lord, you confuse the enemies. Lord, you wipe them out. Not with my... I'm not mocking, I just, there's a place for those things, but not for every time, if that makes sense. The scripture shows us actually God is at work, and our faith should be in God, not on how much we can pray. Challenge, how often do we pray like that? Number six, our inheritance is cumulative, it's incremental. God says, not all at once, I'm not going to drive them all out at one go, because you won't handle it. You're too small a number. You're not strong enough yet. It'll become a wilderness, a desolate land, a wasteland. Little by little until you've increased enough to take possession of the land. So there was a gradual eliminating of the enemy. It didn't all happen in one go. It took years and years if you read throughout the book of Joshua and Judges. We need to grow as a church, friends. For this next season, we need to grow our faith. We need to grow our faith. And faith grows through battles and victories. And God is so kind because he puts before us little ones. And we get victory and we get confidence and our trust in God grows. And there's another one. And we, we grow our faith by taking the ground. But notice the ground wasn't easy to take. There were battles to fight. There were enemies to dispose of in a physical sense. We don't do that now. We don't go and kill people to get land. We have spiritual battles. Because if suddenly we end up in this place of the whole promised land before us and no enemies, what would happen? We would settle right in the first corner we came to. We wouldn't even explore the rest of the promised land. Why? This is so good. There are no enemies. I don't have to fight anymore. I can take it easy and I can settle down. We'd forget how to fight. No, no, no. God's got much bigger plans for us than that. Everything okay with us? So our inheritance is assigned by God. He marks it out, but there's still something we have to do. There's some fighting. There's some battles. There's some, some enemies to, to be slayed as we go forward. And notice again, God had in mind for them at that point the current ground they had to take. Little by little, you're going to take some ground now, but this battle is preparation for the more you're going to take next month or next year or next decade. God Helps us take ground now, but in that, he's preparing us for the ground we still have to take. There's the whole promised land laid out before them. And so he says, keep your focus on what lies ahead. 
There's a whole promised land. Keep looking. Keep your eyes on the prize, if you like. What is our prize? Jesus Christ. The first and foremost, eyes on Jesus. And, not but, or, or, or when we're bored of Jesus, eyes on Jesus and what he's doing. And as a church, we're in that space at the moment, I feel, that there's ground to be taken. God is, we have ground right now, this week, this month, this year, ground to be taken. We, we're taking it little by little, and God is preparing us for the next season, because there's more ground to take. Amen? God doesn't stop with the inheritance. There's a future. He, God knows what's coming down the track. We don't always know. But God does know, and so He knows what preparation is necessary now, even though you might think, why am I doing sit-ups and push-ups and like weights and like boot camp? I don't have any exercise goals in my future, but God's like, oh, there's something coming down that you don't even know about yet. You need to get ready. You need to get in shape. I'm talking in a spiritual sense now. But that requires change. <laughs> Back to change. And we don't like change. That's not true. We do like change. We don't like change when it happens to us without our permission. That's a good way to put it, hey? We don't like change when it happens to us without our permission. We welcome life-disrupting changes like having a baby. We welcome them. They change your life forever. But most of the time, we choose the change. Sometimes it's God choosing it for us. We weren't planning necessarily to have a child. God knows better. We welcome graduating and finding a job in another city. We welcome change when we're the author of it. <laughs> but it's not always easy when it happens to us. And if you want to go, and if I want to go from the junk pile to the statue that only God knows what the statue looks like, right? We're going to have to do some changing that we're not the author of. It's not of our design or making. Does that make sense? And that can be scary. But I think if we know that it's God who's doing the change, surely we know why he's doing the change. We might not know the specifics, but actually we can be secure and trust in him that he knows what he's doing. One of the changes that is happening uh, is that Mike and Joanne Peters, where's Mike? He was in his, oh, in the kids' church. Mike and Joanne Peters have been part of the church for a good few years. They head up the kids' ministry. They run the tweens. Uh, Michael heads up the outreach ministry, was involved in the transport ministry. They are going to Durban. In fact, this is their last Sunday, so if you see them, please greet them. We'll do a proper farewell for them at our um, Leaders and Volunteers Appreciation Night next weekend, but this is their last Sunday with us, and that's a change that has happened to us. They're good friends of ours, and so there's some sadness in our hearts that they're leaving. As we've processed their change with them and prayed it through, we know this is a God move for them. This is God taking them into their next step of their journey, right? It's difficult for us because we're left without Mark and Joe. For those of you who know Mike and Joe, they're amazing people, right? And just because it's painful or sad or difficult doesn't mean that it's not God. 
Because we don't follow our feelings in the kingdom. You know that, hey? If we follow our, if we follow our feelings, <laughs> we'll be all over the place. But Mike and Joe are heading to Durban, and so uh, we are sad and excited about what God is doing there. God is taking them into a new season, taking our kids' ministry into a new season, taking the outreach team into a new season, and it's going to be good for Mike and Joe, yeah, and it'll be good for the church. Why? Because God knows what's coming down the track for Hope City Church. And this is true, kind of said that already, I guess, but it's true of an individual level and of a corporate level, yeah? Sometimes, like for Mike and Joe, God brings a whole change in context. They're moving completely. New job for Joe, it's a promotion. A new house, new city, new church, new school for the kids. But same God is going to be there as they've always served. Now, from a church level, to start talking about how does this apply specifically to Hope City Church, the good news, there's only good news in this. <laughs> The good news. There's only good news. Um, the context is not changing. We're not changing venue, okay? We're not moving venue. That's a good thing because we've moved here like a year ago. Uh, but this is the third venue we're in, and I want to prophesy that this is probably not the last venue that we will be in, okay? Please don't stone me if it never happens because that's Old Testament. Stone a prophet if it doesn't come true. But I'm sure the journey that God has this church on, this is, this is like the next step. There's going to be many other places that God will take us. Where are we? Okay, so here is some big news for Hope City Church. This church is about to go through some big changes. As I said, the four walls and the chairs will still be here next week. Don't worry. The context is staying the same, but God is preparing us for the next season. He's taking us into what he has and the future for us. And it's one of growth. It's one of inheritance. It's one of taking more ground. It's because God has more on the horizon for us. And like the Israelites, it's a good thing. Why? Because God's gone ahead. He's protecting us. He's guiding us. He's leading us into it. He's marked out the land, the boundary. The lot has fallen for us in pleasant places. And so we can trust him. There should be a sense of worship. We need to destroy idols, etc. all those things. But we know that we can follow God because he's leading us. So here we go. God has been speaking to Candace and I for the last nearly three years or so. All right? So for us, this is, this is not brand new. But God has been speaking to us for the last three years or so about some big changes in our life that when they come will probably affect the church, because at this point we are leading the eldership team that leads this church. And we don't know what all those changes are, because God doesn't always show us everything before we get there. That's why it's, your word is a lamp to our feet. We take one step at a time. Last year, just before Equip, God gave Candice a very clear, specific dream about our future. Okay, I'm not going to go into the details, uh, except to say that it, it made us think about our future a lot and pray. During the equipped time, at one of the sessions, someone from another church came to us and said, I've been praying for you, 
And I feel like God has a picture, a vision for you for your next season. They didn't know what we were thinking. They didn't know about Candice's dream. We actually don't know this, this person very well at all. And as we reflected on Candice's dream and this very clear and strong prophetic word from this other person, we started to get the sense that some of the changes God had for us were now coming onto the horizon. Does that make sense? And so as we prayerfully thought about these things and talked about them and mulled them over during October, I came to this realization. I don't think that I'm the right person to continue leading this church into its future. Okay? As I looked at myself, my capacity, my abilities, my wiring, the mix of my own gifting, I felt like I've run my race. That the next season for this church, I'm not the right person, I'm not the right type of leader. And it was quite humbling and quite sobering to realize that this church, for the promised land, the next parts, what this church needs is a different leader and probably a different type of leader. Not the same like Glendon, just with like bigger muscles and different shoes. <laughs> and so we don't make decisions in a vacuum or in isolation. We chatted these things through at length and in detail with Mark and Justine, who are a huge part of giving input to this team. We're not an independent church. We are linked to a um, network of churches known as NCMR, where we have invited input and we're accountable. They don't tell us what to do in the church, but we're accountable before them with how we make those kinds of big directional decisions. So we bounced these things. We talked at length with Mark and Justine, Ed and Heidi, uh, Grant Crawford from, from One Life and KZN. And then we discussed it through with the elders. This was uh, probably November sometime. And very long story short, Ed and Heidi Strong, who I think this church knows very well, they've given input in the church. Ed was here on uh, the carols. Remember the carols uh, event we did? Ed preached at the carols event. Ed and Heidi Strong are going to be taking over the leadership of this team, the eldership team and the leadership team that leads this church. Okay, They'll be taking over the leadership of this uh, team for the next season to prepare the church, to hear from God, what is coming down the line, and to hear from God, Lord, who is it the next couple to lead Hope City Church? As far as we know, Candice and Glendon are not going to leave Hope City Church. But we do feel like God has said the time of leading the church is coming to an end. So, from a personal point of note, we're not giving up. We're not throwing in the towel because it's got too hard. Right? I saw Al walk in the church this morning. It's not because Al is such a difficult guy to pastor. I've got to give up now. I'm joking. <laughs> Al's actually part of another church and he's a good friend. But I thought I could use him not to offend anyone else in the church. Thanks, Al. You're a legend. We're not taking a step back because it's too hard. Leading a church is always hard. <laughs> from day one when there were seven people. But we don't follow our feelings, friends. And can I say, we're not handing over the leadership of this team because we don't want to lead the church anymore. 
actually, there's a big part of me that wants to continue leading. But we feel like God has spoken. And so we don't make our feelings bigger than God in our decision-making. We have been immensely privileged to have played the part that we have over the last eight years in this church. And we will continue to play an important part in this church, but it'll be in a different role. It won't be leading the leaders who lead this church. It'll be different. And Ed and Hardy are not going to be, what's the right word? They're not going to be um, caretaking the church. They're not going to be treading water until the next couple are found. They're going to be leading this church as if they're leading this church for the rest of their lives. They haven't put a time limit on the season that they will be here to take this church forward. They're not going to put us into a holding pattern. They know there's ground to be taken. They know that there are things up ahead for Hope City Church, and they are very much going to lead us in that direction with where God is taking us. So there'll be some change. One of the changes is that Ed and Heidi already lead a church. <laughs> they already lead a church in KZN, in, uh, in Hilton. And so they can't be in two places at once. They can't clone themselves, so that would be nice. And so they're going to be up in Johannesburg twice a month, I think a total of eight days. And you will see them on at least one Sunday a month. They will be here. You will see them. But the other seven days of the month, they will be meeting with our leaders, meeting with you guys, getting to know you, getting the pulse of the church and finding out, Holy Spirit, what is God saying to this church as we go forward and leading the team as if they're fully leading the church? Sounds kind of weird. It's not happened in this church before. It's not unique, I don't think. But actually, Ed and Heidi have faith for that kind of different season, if you like. So they'll be in KZN for some of the month and up here for the other part of the month. So I realize that might be quite a, a surprise, a shock to, to many of you. Um, it's not a shock to everyone because we've been talking these things through in a bit more detail with our ministry leaders, our potential leaders earlier in the week. And I don't know how to lessen the impact of these words, because they're big words, it's big news, it's a big change. I don't know how to reassure you enough that we feel God is in this, right? And so, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass the buck <laughs> on that. I'm going to ask Vasen and Terry, who are part of our, our eldership team, just to come up and share briefly their vantage point, having gone through this process from a different angle and their faith about the future. So can I hand over to you guys for a couple of minutes? He's nodding at you. You're nodding at him. If you start winking, I'd be worried. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to say um, we've had the benefit of, of, of being involved for a long time. So I do understand you know, you have not had that, 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 that time to process this. And I honestly am not standing up here because someone's given me the microphone and said, Terry, now you'd better now just say something positive. That, that is not who I am, actually. I wouldn't do that. I want to speak from, 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 a, from my heart and my, my feeling on this matter. I really do believe 
that this is not at all in any way a backward step um, for anybody, not neither Glendon and Candace or for Hope City. That is my genuine and honest uh, assessment of where we are. And why do I say that? I say it because we've been left, we, where we are, not left, where we are now is in an excellent place. We as Hope City Church are in a really sweet place. We're not in a place where everything is tumbling and falling to pieces. That is not what Glennon is, and he said so, so clearly. We're in a good place, friends. We really are in a good place. We've grown a lot, and there's so much more to come. And there's that sense in me of that expectation. So we're in, why I'm positive about it is because, because Glennon and Candace, under their leadership of our eldership team, have done so incredibly well to leave us in this position. Where we can only go on and, and get, get, go even further, but we're in a good place. And so I really wanted to, to say that and, and, and to thank them. I, wanted, I really do also want to take the opportunity to thank Glendon and Candace for that incredible sacrifice, because it is a sacrifice for them to have taken us along this journey when there were seven people in this church to start with. That in itself is, is not an easy situation. To where we are now, you've left us in a wonderful, healthy, great position in God. And I thank you for that. The other reason why I say it is good is, as I said, Glennon and Candace are not leaving. They're simply changing their role because they have felt that God has said that. The other thing about it, thirdly, is that they have taken counsel when they first told us as an eldership team. Honestly, my overall immediate response was they have done this so well. They have sought God, not for one week, but for years. They have sought God on this thing, and they've taken counsel of wise, godly men. So how can I not feel that this is of God? And I trust them for having done that. So I can say to you, my friends, from my perspective, they've sought God, and God's in this, and it's a good thing for both them and for ourselves. Also, maybe just to say that... Um, they are, as Glennon has said, don't forget, they're not going anywhere. Also a good reason to be positive and, and full of hope for what lies ahead. They're still with us, folks. They've just changed their role and their perspective. I'm going to end off because I don't want to speak for too long. I have felt, in listening to what they said to us recently, I just felt so moved by the integrity and the example that, that Glennon and Candace are setting for you and I. You know what the word says about consider the, the outcome of the way of life of your leaders and imitate their faith, it says in Hebrews 13.7. Glenn and Candace have, have a large part of them put their own feelings aside to lay hold of what God's got for them and to use their gifting that, that, that God has given them in a slightly different way. And I honestly believe at this season that that's an example in a, for us, you, for me to follow and for you for you with, with gentleness to say as well, pick up your gifting that God has placed in you. I'm, I need to do that. You need to do that, I believe. And do that thing that God has given you to do that'll put your, you in the will of God because that's exactly what they're doing. They are just using the gifting in a different way, but they're still with us and God is in this. So be encouraged, my friends. Guys, if there's anything you should be encouraged about this morning, is that God is leading this. That's what this is. 
God is leading this church. And no change, no change. So if there is no change, there will be no change. And so um, growth brings change, unfortunately. I can, I'm 48 now. Uh, I don't think I can use the same clothes that I used when I was 20. <laughs> Definitely not. Although some 40-year-olds that do bodybuilding love using those small clothes. <laughs> but the clothes has got to change. Growth brings change on the physical side of things, right? So what I, what I will say is that when there's growth, and even for us as Christians, there's always, if you want to grow in God, there's a laying down of self. There has to be a laying down of self for the plans and purposes of God to be fulfilled in your life. How much more in East Church? So as you are laying down of self, you are maturing in Christ, you are maturing in your relationship with Christ, and as that is happening, the church is growing, and there's growth. This church has grown every single year. And with the growth that we've seen, there has to be change. And so one thing I want to say this morning is that that is why I commend uh, Glendon and Candace. What this season is, there's a laying down of self. And that season is for the glory of the kingdom of God. It's for his glory. It's for his purposes over this church. It's for his purposes over his kingdom. And so we could probably take some deep breaths now that we've heard this, because we've done plenty, take some very deep breaths to try and process this. But what God has settled within us from the time we've heard till now is that this is about the king and his kingdom. That's what this is about. And so to the Askoffs, uh, yes, it's a bittersweet moment. We deal with the bitter so we can get into the sweet. That God has an incredible future for this church. And for each and every one of us, there's a laying down of self. For the glory of the king and for his kingdom. And so it becomes exciting. Adventurous. Um, there's going to be some teething problems. And when I say problems, as in change. Because we all experience the difficulties of change. But we're excited because we know that God is leading this church. And we part of his plans and his purposes, what, what he wants to do with Hope City. And so for everyone that's part of this journey, it's an exciting time. It's a, it's a time that we be filled with faith what God wants to do. Uh, and so, yes, we will have those emotional moments of uh, dealing with the Askoffs not leading. But once again, there's no mediator between God or between us and God. And if we put anyone in that position, we're in trouble. Our eyes should be firmly fixed on Jesus. Now he's leading. And that's why I say to you, the encouragement for us is that God is leading this church. Jesus is leading this church. And that's what makes this journey exciting. Amen? So just to end off this morning, and we'll pray in a moment together, um, Mark Wimble, who is a trusted apostolic voice into this church. I asked him to record a short message for the church. And so I wonder if we could uh, just hit the lights. Thanks, guys, and play that video.
Hello, Hope City Church. So excited to be able to send this message, sending love and greetings from myself and Justine. Wish we could be with you guys this morning. Uh, you receiving big news. And no doubt for some of us, uh, it's a little bit sad to think about a future where Glendon and Candace are not leading, but also very exciting to see what the new future looks like. Uh, God's always into better, bigger, faster. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and we can have confidence in that. Now, I'm thrilled that Ed and Heidi have uh, put up their hands to come and put their hand to the wheel and, and be involved in leading. They're the father and the mother of the work, as many of you will remember. And so this church is very much in their heart. And I think it's in God's economy that uh, they come back for a, a season to help lead. Now, I wanted to make a few comments. Firstly, uh, just to commend Glennon and Candice on their amazing leadership and sacrifice. They've poured their lives out for this church and uh, the fruit is seen uh, before us. Uh, secondly, uh, I wanted to just comment on Ed and Heidi coming in. Uh, in them coming in, the shape of the church is going to look a little bit different because they're positioned in another city for a, a large portion of the month and then they're going to be in Joburg for a portion of the month. And so it will look different. It will feel different. It's quite unique. But we remember this is that one of the core values of the New Testament church is that we build in team. And so a team of elders is leading this church, not uh, Ed and Heidi alone. And so you can have full confidence and get behind uh, what they are doing. I think it's also important to say that uh, in Ed and Heidi coming to take lead of the church, uh, they're not coming to tread water. They're not coming to buy their time. They're not coming as the acting principal per se. Uh, they're coming to build with intention, to grow the church and to pour out their lives uh, into this local community. So that's very exciting. Uh, just lastly, I think it's important to, to note this, is that Glennon and Candice are not stepping aside because of any sin issue or moral failure. Uh, they felt God speaking to them clearly, and they bounced that with the apostolic team that they're working with. And we felt in God that they've got it spot on, and uh, this is a new season for them. And so well done to them, and uh, we back their decision 100%. And so we're sending our love and our greetings. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing you in a few months and trust that you can receive this news with open hearts. God bless. Can we stand? I'd love us to pray together just as we ending the meeting this morning. And thanks for uh, bearing with us a slightly different uh, 